0: Hey friends, welcome to Old Fashioned On Purpose, the show where we explore what we have left behind as we have raced towards progress as a culture, and also how we can get back the good stuff. So I'm your host, Joe Winger. My family and I have been homesteading out here on the wide open Wyoming prairie for over a decade now, and I love to teach people old-fashioned skills that just make life better. So today's episode is one I have been promising for a very long time, and we finally are sitting down to make it happen. And by we, I mean... Christian and I, he is back. Hello. Um, I think they liked your previous episodes where you were here with me, so. Hopefully. But it'll be good. Have you back. So, the topic today is um, kind of a bit of a personal storytelling of this crazy endeavor we have participated in for the last year and a half, and that is starting a charter school in our tiny little town of 175 people. And, you know, in and of itself, that is a big Uh, project but it's kind of a weird project for people like us we are a homeschool family we're entrepreneurs um, and it just people are like what you did what why are you engaged in this project and so there's a lot of pieces Um, it's kind of a heck of a story I've said several times it should be like a Hallmark movie at some point because there were good guys and bad guys and drama and um, valleys and mountains and so uh, I, I still can't really believe it happened the way it did, but it did. So we're going to do our best to give you some of the juicy bits today behind the scenes, a little bit of a tell-all. Um, yeah, should be good.
1: should be good. Welcome to the ride. Yeah, it's, it, been it's, a, it's been a long ride. A major journey for us.
0: Yes. We learned a lot, and it almost killed us, but I'm glad we did it. And it's not over yet. It's not over yet. No, it's
1: but not. But it's, it's, it's been fun. So okay. we're start.
0: Yeah, so... Um, I guess let's just give a little overview just in case people are totally unaware that we did this thing. So it started back in twenty, twenty I don't remember. What two two? Yeah, twenty two. It's like a time warp. Um we were happily homeschooling our children, but getting more involved in our local community. It's the same community where the soda fountain is. And I don't know, for some reason I heard this uh trouble brewing around the school in town. It's always been a small school. They've been threatening to close it for like 20 years. Like 40 years. 40 years. And I heard that there was something going on with the ag teacher, that the district that controlled the school was like threatening to take away the school's ag teacher, which is a big deal for a rural ranching school. And a whole bunch of parents were upset. And they're like, can you can you guys come to the school board meeting just to be there in support of keeping our ag teacher? And I'm like, sure. You know, I care about the community. I care about ag. I know we need an ad teacher there. So I went, I think you were gone. Yeah, well, I didn't go to that one. I never been to a school board meeting in my life. And I went and I was so angry by the time I left at how the district was operating. And I, there was just an incredible lack of integrity, just dishonesty, it was just sliding. Like it made me feel dirty how they operated and how they were manipulating the situation. And we had friends who were involved in the school at that time and they were trying to be diplomatic And try to come up with solutions and compromise. And the district was basically like, no, screw you guys. We don't care. And so even though we were homeschooling completely at that time, I walked out. I'm like, this is wrong. And I cannot stand by and watch this happen. Like it just ignited a sense of justice in me. And so at that point, I came home and talked to Christian. I'm like, I don't know what we need to do, but we need to be more involved in this, even if we never send our kids to that school. Um, So we just kind of sat on that for a little while.
1: It was a couple of months, probably, at least before we started doing anything else.
0: Yeah. Um, I also think it's important to note that we are not, we didn't really ramrod this idea. Um, We were just kind of sitting back and feeling like we wanted to help, but we didn't know how. And there, it it came into um, our awareness that the district was now seriously talking about closing the school. Like it, it went from like always threatening it to like, we could see them starting to take.
1: Yeah. And it was a veiled. It wasn't public. It wasn't, you know, they weren't actively saying in the public that they were going to close the school, but the school was in trouble financially. So, uh, you know, you're, the amount of money that the school gets is really based on how many kids go to that school. And because this was a small town and there wasn't very many kids going there, it costs a lot more money to run that school than that school district was actually bringing in. And so, you know, they're, there was a lot of trouble brewing there. It had been for a long time. That's why any small town, if you're from a small town or know of small towns, I'm sure, you know, there's lots of discussion about schools closing in small towns and how detrimental that can be to the town, you know, economically and just, uh, you know, as far as people wanting to live there. And so that was really our main goal is how do we protect the school? How do we protect the town?
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, even though, and and a lot of people look at us and they're like, well, you're hypocrites. You didn't send your kids to the school but you don't want it to close. And I'm like, you know, at the time with how the school was being run, we felt like our kids, how do I say this delicately? Our kids were just better off at home. There was some, there was some things happening there that as much as I wanted to stay open, I didn't really want my kids to necessarily be there. Um, but yeah, I still do not want it to close because it would kill our town. Like a, a school like that closing would absolutely dry up the town and our town has started to experience some positive growth. And I'm like, oh man, this is going to be The worst thing is we're going to go completely backwards. And so we were sitting with that tension. And then I think it was June
1: of 2020. Yeah, something like that. I'm not sure.
0: Our good friends called us up one day. I'll still remember I was like out walking in the barn when she called me. And she's like, what would you think if we started a school, a charter school? And that was the first words or first time I'd ever even heard the phrase charter school spoken in this context. And I'm like, you know, I'm always we're up for big crazy projects. so I'm like yeah sweet what's the charter school (laughs) like what does that mean and so her her name is Dana and her other friend our other friend is named Jara and so um I don't know if they know we're going to talk about them publicly but hey guys so (laughs) they were like they're just two stay-at-home moms really just minding their own business up to this point but just felt that call that they needed to take action which I respect so much and so they really ramrodded this they started just like none of us knew what we were doing you guys like i feel like there's such a perception that you have to be so prepared in order to do something big and i I feel like that's so wrong most of the time you just have to start and start imperfectly and that's what our friends did is they started going to charter school meetings they uh, not in our town but like um in colorado and in other places and they started to talk to people who had started charter schools in other locations and started making a ton of phone calls Um, and so they did all of that work And then they were just like, hey, are you guys supportive? Are you willing to help us out? And we're like, yeah, we don't know what we're doing.
1: What Uh, does that look like?
0: (laughs) What does that look like? But yeah, we're on board. We're going to cheer you on. We're going to be here. And so they did a ton of the footwork. And what they discovered, and I might be saying this wrong, because when it gets into the government part, my brain just like kind of shuts off. But it was this magical window in this exact time period of 2022 when Wyoming had this piece of legislation that would allow for the creation of three more charter schools and normally that's not
1: well easily available right yeah so to differentiate first of all is traditionally charter schools are authorized by the school district so whatever district you're in that school district has the opportunity or has the option to authorize a charter within their territory essentially And in different states, and I think in Wyoming at that particular time, there was five charter schools in Wyoming, and that's how they had been established. They they were authorized by the district for which they were in. But traditionally, typically, districts don't like charter schools because they're competition. So they're going to take kids out of the school, and that money is going to follow the kid. So that ultimately takes money out of the district. And so there's lots and lots of feelings. And, and I mean, it gets very, very heavy, heavily political real quick there. But what Wyoming did is they created a, a, they passed a legislation that allowed the state to authorize three charter schools, which was rare, which is rare. I mean, it's not, it's rare for Wyoming. It's, it's done in other States and had never been done in Wyoming before. And so that, that kind of opened this window for, Hey, there's there's an opportunity for three charter schools. It didn't matter where in Wyoming you had to apply through the state. What was called the state loan uh, and investment board, which is the in the, it, the board is comprised of the five highest elected officials of Wyoming, and so we had to apply to them, and then they ultimately could decide which charter schools they would approve. So when we went this route, when we, we you know initially when they decided, when well, Dana and Jerry like, hey, let's start a charter school, we started having meetings with our district saying, hey, could we start a charter school? in in our county and we went to them with a proposal and said here's what it would look like and we think we can help you out financially we understand you're operating in about a half a million dollar uh, deficit right now we think we could help offset that 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 makes the district look better and you know essentially we're going to be taking on that burden ourselves we're going to say hey we'll we'll be the ones that have to figure out how to run a charter school here and uh, ultimately they just dis- they denied us they said no we we don't think we can do that and we recommend uh, that you go the state route. Now, my feelings personally is that uh, at that particular time, the superintendent that was in place um, during that ad- that administration, I'm pretty certain the reason he sent us to the state was because he thought we would fail. You know, he's probably looking at us like a bunch of backwoods, uh, you know, little kids running around in this little small town of, yeah, you're never going to get this done. When, when you go apply at the state level, it's not going to happen. Which is fair, you know. He didn't know any better, and we didn't know any better either. But uh, ultimately, that's the direction that we went to the state, and we were the very first state authorized charter school in Hawaii, uh which was a big
0: deal. Right. I also realized I really love to be underestimated. It like you want to fire me up, like just tell me you don't think we can do it. so I'm like, okay, buddy, yeah. if we're gonna fail. Watch us go. and right. It was pretty, that was pretty gratifying. Once we, that, that like fast forward, Which was awesome, so but we had
1: happy. no clue what we, we no were clue. in for.
0: No clue what we were in for. We were like, this will be no big deal. I mean, we knew it was going to be a big deal, but we had no idea how big of a deal. So again, there was this window of time where three charter schools could be authorized. So we knew we when they when Dana and Jerry came to us, they were like, this is like this window, we've got to act now. The first step was the application. And we, it was funny because at that point in time, the application felt like Mount Everest and we were just like, man, if we can get this application done and we can get approved, it's going to be smooth sailing, which is really funny to look back now. But so our first phase was filling out. What was it like? How many?
1: It was over 300 pages. 300 pages
0: that we were filling out. And then they were like, okay, you have to include all of your policies and procedures. So like basically we created all the paperwork for a charter school from nothing.
1: Well, and it's essentially You know, the application that we turned into the state then becomes your charter agreement. So you're designing your school. Everything you put in that charter application then literally becomes the contract with the state. So, you know, how we're going to educate, what our policies and procedures are going to look like, what our administration is going to look like, what our teachers, what the school structure, like all of that had to be defined in that application. And then and, and we didn't necessarily know it at the time. We thought, oh, okay, cool. This is just going to be. Here's what we're proposing to you, Then then literally we find out later on that they're like, cool. Now, now that you're approved, your applications now becomes your contract. So everything you put in that contract, you get to do, yeah. which was great for us because I mean, we didn't we didn't cut any corners necessarily doing it, but had we had we had the opportunity to do it again, we might have looked at it a little bit different. But
0: we had literally we were sitting in this office. If you're watching on YouTube, we're in the room. Like we set up these white plastic chairs and like four or five of us would be out here for weeks at a time, like late at night. Uh, we ate a lot it of junk food, weeks. weeks and weeks just riding. And guys, we're a bunch of parents like um, who don't have experience in this world. And I think it's just such a testament that if you want something bad enough, you will figure out a way to do it, whether you yeah. have the training or not. So we were, we Googled and we made phone calls and we talked to lawyers and we talked to everybody who would talk to us to get advice and counsel And so we filled out the application, which sounds like it was super easy. It was not. Submitted it because it was due. I think the application was due in August, right?
1: Yeah. Or July. I think it was July because of our interview with the state was in September.
0: Yeah. So the funny part is, is when um, there had been conversations with other people who'd started charter schools are like, usually those applications take like.
1: Typically two years. Two years a lot of, a lot of charter schools will spend two years just working on their application yeah. before they ever submit their application. Whether that's to the state or whether that's to the district, doesn't matter. It's typically a two-year process. We did it in less than six months.
0: No, like less than six weeks. Well, yes. Yeah? yeah, yeah. Was, like less than like from yeah, It was fast. From June to July, we made it happen. So we submitted it, which was like a huge sigh of relief. Also scary because we're like, you know, hopefully what we submitted was... Good. We we didn't have a lot to compare it to. And then September was when the state
1: September was when we had our interview with the state. yeah With the slip board.
0: You guys went to the Capitol.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so then we had to present to the state. Um uh, Dana and Jarrett presented to the state, which is like I said, it's the five highest elected officials in of Wyoming. So the the chair of the board is the governor. And then you had the state auditor and the state treasurer and the superintendent of public construction and um, Little remember the fifth one, but you know, like say, it's you're literally presenting at the highest level of government in Wyoming and so they were quite nervous, I mean, they killed it they did yeah, an amazing did job. job and we had a huge PowerPoint and a 300 and some page application that they had to go through and they asked a lot of really hard questions, uh, and you know the, the thing that I would give you guys a reminder on is this had never been done in Wyoming not only had it not been done from our standpoint, we, you know Nobody in Wyoming had ever filled out or created an application to apply for a state-authorized charter school, but the state loan and investment board had never interviewed anybody to be a state-authorized charter school. And then in turn, the Wyoming Department of Education had never had been involved with or approved or had had uh, had any policies and procedures on a start uh, state authorized charter school, which was, you know, really more bumps in the road for us to experience later on. We thought, hey, the hard part about this is just going to be getting through the application. And then, boom, like these people will have this all figured out. And it turns out none of this was figured out. Yeah. So we were kind of creating the wheel. I mean, we were we were plowing a path from the day that we decided to to do this application to even today. Yeah. I mean, I'm now the CEO of the school, right? And there's still problems, maybe not problems, but there's still things in the school that we're trying to establish, like transportation and some things like that, that have just they've never been done in a state authorized charter school format before. So not only is it a challenge for us to go, how do we create this? But at basically every level of the government within the Wyoming department of education and everything, it's go, how do we, how do they do this? They haven't had to figure this out either. So.
0: And I think that's that whole process of expecting someone in authority somewhere to have the answers and then finding repeatedly that they didn't. It was interesting because like we have always, we prefer to be pioneers, right? That's why we homestead. That's why we've, built the businesses we have like we don't like taking the beaten path which is just funny and over and over in our life that's the same thing that keeps showing up where i like it like we like being the new we like being the early adopters we like being the trailblazers but also i think there's a reason that most people are adverse to that because like like christian said we would get to a point in the process where we're like okay cool now we just need to call up wyoming department of education figure out what their policies are for this it'll be bam 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 and we call them up and we're like they're like we don't have policies for that We don't know. And we like, we're literally talking to the top dogs in the state of Wyoming and they don't know because it's never been done, which on one hand is exciting. And on one hand was super frustrating Yeah, because we were like for the love, just give us an answer. We just need guidelines so we can start creating the next step. So I think that was one of the biggest frustrations over and over. And to this day,
1: it's Still still happening today. And in fact, when we were authorized in like September, October of 2022, they had then signed into law a new, brand new set of new legislation in 2023 that changed the bill. It essentially changed all of the rules that we had originally applied under. So the the budget and everything that we had originally submitted to the state in 2022, which was when the original charter school bill had passed. They kind of went back to the, which they're going to continue to do every year from here on out. I could just feel it in my bones. I just know this is going to happen. But in 2023, they reworked that bill and they made some changes. Some of it was good for us. Some of it was bad for us. But we had to completely readopt and rechange how we were going to do it, and, you know, to the point where we were even having conversations with our attorney going, wait a minute. Like we were approved and we were chartered under this original legislation. And now it's been jerked out from underneath us and completely changed. Like what rights do we have? If any, you know, our attorney's like, well, cool. If you want to sue the state of Wyoming, then yeah, you, uh, you could certainly do that. And obviously that wasn't a route we were, we were really willing to go at that time. We were like, yeah, we still need to figure out how to make friends with these people. Yeah. So, you know, if you're in a raw school long term, you've got to be able to work and coordinate with all of these people, not just, you know, rolling there with guns blazing. But you know, that's a great point that the reality is, is a lot of times in life we think, Hey, you know, we just get over this one little hump and it's going to be clear sailing from there. And, you know, this was just another example where you know no one was coming to save us, so to speak. It was like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna be down this trail and we're still on this trail and we're still blazing path, which is ultimately why I was super excited. That's not my background. I didn't grow up thinking I wanted to be the CEO of charter school. Uh you know, I was like, I just like challenges. And if this had been a well-worn paved road, four-lane highway of here's here's how you start charter school in the state of Wyoming. I probably wouldn't have been involved. Yeah. I don't know. Any one of us would have been involved. It would have been like, you know yeah.
0: We'll let the experts the take care of it. The
1: that. challenges yeah. wouldn't have been there. And now it's like, well, obviously this has never been done. So, you know, we're kind of blazing this trail, so to speak. And once the trail has becomes a four lane highway, then it'll be time for me to step out and find yeah. something else to <laughs> <It That's laughs> we
0: our gluttons for punishment as you guys know, if you would listen to this podcast for any amount of time.
1: Which is an area, you know, that I really would have to give Dana and Jarrah a plug. Not only did Dana and Jarrah, you know, they felt this, like, in their being of, hey, this is something we need to do, they responded to it. Yeah. There's so many times in life where we know, hey, here's here's an idea, here's something we could do, here's something we even should do, but yet we don't do it. And Dana and Jarrah, like, took this thing by the horns and said, okay, we're going to do this, and they ran forward, you know, scared as. As could be, and not having a clear path, and you know, we'll we'll talk, we'll tell some more stories here in a second. But it, you know, it's just like you you have to step out and, and so much faith, and that, that this is going to work, and you just don't know. You know, you obviously we don't get this crystal ball that says, "Yep, you do this, this, and this," then it's all going to be fine. And there are so many pieces of this puzzle. That we just had to push forward and say, no, we're doing the best that we can do right now with the knowledge and the, the information that we have, we're making the most informed decisions that we can make. And we're just going to have to trust the process that somehow this is all going to connect and it's going to work in the future. And it did like miraculously, it literally, you could look back on all of those steps. Now, when we were the most scared, when we're like, this is never going to work, this is going to fall apart. We're done. We're doomed. This thing is blown up and yet. Yeah. Something happened, and it just, it corrected the path.
0: Giving away the end. You can't, like...
1: And I'm not giving away Okay, that.
0: so they, <laughs> we got, we, w- they went and presented to the governor and everybody, um, all these little people from Cheslaughter. You guys all bought, they all bought super nice clothes, and you got your first suit jacket and a tie.
1: No, I'm for, I'm with, I'm a oh, I had my jacket, but was my first tie. Your
0: first tie. Yeah. They, like, cleaned up real nice, went to the Capitol, looked real important. Sometimes fake it till you make it is like legit. Like that's actually a strategy. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> so confidence goes a really long way. And so they they presented, and we were all sitting here with like knots in our stomach, waiting and waiting. And then the verdict came, and they approved it. Like we got approved. We got approved. Us and two other charter schools filled those three slots. And it was really cool because the other two charter schools were part of like a bigger organization, so they um had like lots of financial backing and they had their curriculum because it was like a national national deal so like it was kind of plug and play for them like no big deal yeah. and they kind of rolled in like yeah but we're, this is easy we got this covered and we were like little grassroots rolling in underdog um and i i think we have dominated it like we totally did. dominated, dominated it. and yes. it was just cool and the governor even said he's like this with our school he's like this is what we want to see we want to see parents coming forward and we want to see community taking action so that was a pretty cool moment.
1: That was cool. He he pulled us aside afterwards after we had been awarded the contract, and he's like, you know, he's like the, the the other two charter schools. Like Jill said, they 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 came they came in with guns blazing. They had lots of money, lots of attorneys, lots of experience. They'd started a lot of charter schools all around the country, so they knew exactly how to do it. Where obviously we we had no clue how to do it, but the governor is like, you know, he's like, this is exactly what this legislation was meant to do. It was meant to be to see how charter schools can operate in these small rural towns. These other two charter schools, they got authorized in great big towns in Wyoming, where they're, they're going to have lots of kids and lots of opportunities, where our charter school was in one small town where it was going to take over the school in that town. And, you know, the governor's like, just add some pressure on And he's like, well, by the way, there's a lot of eyes on you. There's going to be a lot of people across the state of Wyoming that are going to look to see how well this charter school does. And if this charter school is successful in this small rural environment, then it's going to pave the way for the future on how a lot of these small towns handle their schools.
0: Yeah. Also, maybe we should, now that we're, whatever, 20 minutes in, explain what charter school is. Because I did not know this. I had to Google it when this process started. Um, A charter school is funded by the it's it's funded publicly. It is not a private school. And we've had a ton of people come to us. Um, especially in my audience, there's a lot of stigma around state funded schools, right? Public schools. And they're like, oh, don't do that. That's icky. Like, like do private, do whatever. And I'm like, I think our lives would have been a lot easier, honestly, if we could have gone the private route because we would have had a lot more freedom. we could not go that route because there is just not that sort of economic base in our tiny town. Right. We, there is not an, an, an enough families who can pay to put their kids in a private school. It would not be sustainable. Um, and so that's why we ended up going with a state funded. Do they have a little more control over what we do? Yes. But the cool thing about charter schools is that we also have a ton of freedom that like a traditional public school doesn't have in terms of how we're structuring things, what type of curriculum we're using. So it's, I think it's kind of the best of both worlds. Also, I had no idea how freaking controversial charter schools are. Like, I had no idea. And, like, you have to be careful what rooms you bring up the word charter school in. Because some people will come after you with pitchforks. Um, like Christian said earlier, uh, the public school system, and I know I have teachers listening to this, I, I absolutely believe there's a time and place for the public school system. So you guys know I'm not dogmatic on this, but the public school structure of our day and age does not like competition and they do not like challenging the status quo. And so they see something like a charter school where I'm kind of like, hey, healthy competition is going to make you better. It's going to give people choices. They're like, no, people shouldn't have choices. And so we, we ran into that opposition real fast.
1: A charter school is really considered to be a school of choice because it's still a publicly funded school. It's tuition free. We can't charge kids to come to this school. We can't uh, discriminate against anybody, anybody and anybody that comes to to this school has to be accepted. Uh, you know, so it's the but the big difference is, is it's a school of choice and we are a locally governed school. So we're a typical charter where a typical school district has its publicly elected uh board of trustees that is governing that entire school. So you might have, you know, if you're a big town, you might have a hundred schools in that one district. they're governing how that entire district is run. So if you want to change anything in that, it's very difficult because it's essentially got to go all the way to the top where that board of trustees exists through 55 different layers of administration. And, you know, you get the picture where with us, since we are a a, uh, an independent charter, we have to operate within the guidelines that we put in our charter. So, for example, we've said that we were going to be a project based and place based school we can't just change that model, you know, because that's essentially in our contract. We we told the government, we told the state, hey, here's how we're going to operate. This is this is what we're going to do. So we have to stay there. But we also have a we have a board of trustees, but our board is appointed within the community, and so it's not a publicly elected board. So there there is some, you know controversy over that. But at the end of the day, we still have to meet all the same state's tests. Day testing standards that the regular school does. We were a non-secretarian school. We can't, you know, there's still some things that we can and can't do, but it just gives us the freedom to really pivot really fast. You know, at the end of the day, I'm sure there's there's not anything necessarily that we can do that a traditional public school can't do. It's just that we can change, you know, relatively quickly in how we're doing things. And it gives parents another option. It's because it's a publicly funded school. Parents don't have to pay to come here. You know, they could say, hey, I want to go to a traditional school. That's cool. If you want to do that, great. If not, I, I want to put my kids in this other school because it's a project-based school or it has more opportunities in ag or in rural environment or rural communities or whatever. Then they have that right. They have that choice to do that. Yeah. So that may, that's really what makes it a big deal for us.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So we got approved, and then it was basically smooth sailing happily ever after at the end, right? Yep. yep. It's all done. That was all done. <laughs> so we celebrated, and we took a deep breath, and then the real hard stuff started.
1: The real hard stuff happens basically within, I don't know, a couple of weeks, I suppose. Well, maybe a little bit longer than that. You know, I think they awarded us and. In uh, September, I think it was like September fourteenth or something like that. That they that we had our meeting with the slip board, and they they awarded us, and then they said, "Okay, we're gonna hand this over to the Wyoming Department of Education, and they will get you a contract within." I don't remember what the exact time frame, but but it was like this short period. You know, like we'll get you a contract within two weeks or something like that. It ended up being closer to like two months before we got our contract. And here again, I'm not necessarily picking on the Wyoming Department of Education. Some of it was, you know. Sometimes when laws are passed, this is what's fascinating to me because I've never been super involved in the legislature or even watching laws get passed until this and watching how this process works. But it's like sometimes when laws get passed, especially when they're brand new, these lawmakers, these senators, these legislatures, they they go in, they have lots of debate, they have lots of heated argument, they pass a law, the governor signs it, and then boom, they're done with it. And now- at least in our case, it was kind of like the Wyoming Department of Education and even to a certain extent at that time, the slip board got left holding the bag because this had never been done before. So there was no policies, no procedures, no contracts, no nothing. It was like now all of a sudden everybody had to go back to, well, what does it say in this charter school bill? What does it say in this law? And how do we start rolling from here? So, you know, while I I kind of poked fun at, it, yeah, they were going to give us a contract in two weeks and it took them two months instead. They had to start from scratch too. They had to develop all this, and this was where probably my biggest short sightedness came into play. Is I literally thought, I mean, I can remember having a conversation with our board at that time. I was a board member on this, uh, in this endeavor, and. I remember telling him like, hey, we just get authorized and man, it's going to be smooth sailing from there. Not not totally naive, but I'm like, now the SLIB board, you know, we'll probably sit down with the SLIB board or we'll sit down with Wyoming Department of Education. We'll figure all this out. We'll figure out how we're going to do a building and blah, blah, blah. And our funding, there were still lots of questions about how our funding was going to work and what uh, it's called an ADM or the average daily membership of how much you're going to get per student that you have in your school. We, we literally didn't end up finding out that number until – School had been open for about a week. We didn't really know. But, you know, I just thought, oh, this all all work out. And then we were awarded and then nothing happened. It's like Slib said, here, cool, this is awesome. Here's a five-year contract. By the way, you guys are good to go for five years. Now, here's what they did. This is the cliffhanger. They're like, they said, go back to the district and figure all of these pieces out. Because the slip board, again, it's the state loan and investment board, state land and investment board, whatever. It's not the state loan investment and education board. They exist for a very specific reason why education wasn't one of them. So they almost themselves got left holding the bag of, cool, here this bail got passed. And oh, by the way, you guys now have the authority to authorize three charter schools. But they're like, we don't necessarily want to play in this either. We don't want to solve all these problems. We just rewarded you a contract. Now you go figure it out. And we're kind of like, wait a minute. We came to you guys because the district didn't want to play with us. The district didn't want to authorize us. The district didn't want to give us anything. They didn't want to help us, blah, blah, blah. And now you want us to go back after you've authorized us? What incentive does the district have to play? You know, the district's looking at us now going, well, that's cool. You guys got authorized, but we didn't authorize you. Well, well and the What would we want to do with you?
0: Did especially certain several individuals in the district didn't think we were gonna get it done. Yeah, they didn't so think we were gonna we get got it done. Approved, they were very angry. There was there was <laughs> not major happy because they were mentally not prepared to have to deal with us. They kept thinking they were they put up as many roadblocks as we could. They kept thinking we were too dumb to figure out how to get over their roadblocks. Well, we proved them wrong. We got over all the roadblocks up to that point. And they were like, well crap, now we have to figure out some more roadblocks. Yeah. Which they did. It gets better. So we went back to the district to start the negotiations.
1: And really the first thing we had to negotiate was where could we have this school? Uh, You know, we needed a building. You can't have a school if you don't have a school building. And we had, there's three churches in this town in Chugwater that were like, well, worst case scenario, we can try to hold uh, school in the basement of these three churches. And we had some contingency plans in place to try to make that happen. Worst case scenario, but that was not best case scenario. Here again, we got authorized as a K-12. K through 12 school. So to try to run these K through 12 education in the basement of three churches was going to be pretty tough. So we started negotiating with the school and the school and it basically said, well, that's cool. Uh, but we're not, we're, we're still going to have school next year. And we're like, well, but wait a minute, we have letters of intent from essentially every student and every family within the community that says they're going to come to our school.
0: Well, let's back up a little bit. So there is there is an existing school building right an existing school in chugwater that has been operating that's the one they were threatening to close and so the the community i mean we just didn't go off on this half cock the community has been looking for other options for a long time um but nobody could just like take action to make it happen for a lot of reasons and so the community was extremely supportive of the charter school and i think that was one of the most humbling moments of this whole process to see the people support us like in the same age, it's really hard to get groups of people to come together for anything. But like, man, I still get chills when I think about it. The fundraisers we had, like our community doesn't have a lot of money and they gave so much money to help us. Yeah. Um, and they like you had older people who haven't had kids in school for decades and decades, you know, coming and showing up and vo- offering to volunteer and giving us money and coming to our benefits. And like, it was so special and and so humbling. So the community wanted this. And we had letters of intent that we collected a long time ago. That was a part of our
1: application yeah. process, actually. We had the documents to the state that the community wanted this school. And so, yeah. yeah, we'd spend a lot of time having community dinners and community meetings and open houses and talking about this, this whole process and collecting that data. So throughout that process, we had collected, I think it was 67 students, essentially, that had said, hey, we... we You know, it's not a contract, it was just a letter of intent saying, yeah, if the school is awarded, if the school starts, we'll send our kids there. And so, you know, I think we had 26 kids in the district in that school in Chugwater the year before, the public school. Yeah,
0: Because parents were pulling, actively pulling their kids out because of the dissatisfaction of how the district was running the system. There were still good teachers there, but the teachers were frustrated. It was just a really sad situation. Like, there were good people in the school itself, but they were being hamstrung repeatedly by the powers that be and so parents are pulling out so every parent who was currently sending children to the older the old school basically all but i think one had said no no we're all for the charter school like we're gonna send so we we went to the district and we're like look guys um basically not to hurt your feelings but we have all of the families that you currently have want to come to us so you'll have like one student in your school next year so what if we work together to come up with the best case scenario so we can pay rent for your building so it doesn't sit and we have a building, and you have a solution, and we're saving you money. And they said,
1: "No, no, we don't believe you.
0: We don't want to plank.
1: Well, essentially, they're like, "We don't believe you." Yeah. You know, they're like, "We need to wait and see." Uh, you know, come day one of school, how many of these kids actually show up to our district versus how many of these kids want to come to your school? And the reality was, is they knew. And here's the thing. At that particular time, when we were in this process, we had some very active opposition within the district. There were some board members and the superintendent was very opposed to us existing. Uh, Fortunately for us, before a school actually opened, um, there had been an election and several of those board members had been changed. And then they ultimately changed uh, the superintendent as well. And with the new superintendent, with a new board, you know, they they kind of recognized, hey, at the end of the day, this actually is about the students. This isn't about money. This isn't about us versus them. This is all still in the same Platt County. It's all still in the same county. There's still Platt County kids, you know. And so that was a big game changer for us. If, if, if we wouldn't be here today, uh, yeah. in reality, if it, the new superintendent hadn't come on board and we hadn't gained the support of the new board members.
0: But and that so, didn't happen until like yeah. the, like the what is it zero hour like that like we, like we were in this process and here's i think one of the biggest lessons which i see people get confused on like when you know you're supposed to do something and you know that because of your gut you, you just feel it in your soul you guys have experienced that in various capacities i'm sure in your life when you know you're supposed to do something do not expect it to be easy like why do you think that it's going to be sunshine and roses because i think that's a huge misconception and so We went through this process. Like we got approved in September of 2022, and when we were looking forward, we know we're going to start in August of 2023. So we're like, we have a year. We have these little problems. We're going to figure them out. And we kept thinking, okay, you know, surely by the end of 2022, we're going to have our building figured out. No. Well, okay, by uh, February we'll have our building figured out. No. By May we'll have it figured out. No. You know, school starting in August. It's June. It's July. We didn't know if we had a building to start the freaking school that we had students signed up for until.
1: We we actually had a temporary permit that started on the 1st of August.
0: On the 1st of August. So, like.
1: School started. Our teachers came back on August 9th, I think, and we got our temporary permit. It wasn't even a full permit, it was just a temporary permit that allowed us into that building for a month on the 1st of August. So, so, you know, we had nine days there.
0: I mean, you want white knuckling
1: but here's the thing it gets worse than that actually because (laughs) you know the reality was is we had been once we had authorized once we got our authorized once we got our contract even though we didn't have a building and we didn't know what our funding numbers were we we had a general idea yeah Yeah. we we didn't know what our funding numbers were it was honestly they gave us a i think it was like within nine thousand dollars you know i think the low end was like i don't remember exactly off the top of my head it was like the low end of eleven thousand dollars per adm or I think per student. it was student. like
0: they said you'll either get nine thousand dollars a student or
1: up to 15, like dollars. $15, yeah f- 16 15 16 yeah. somewhere but in we, don't but we don't know but we don't know so it, you here. had this gap and i'm like well listen my budget doesn't work on this bottom end and my budget barely works on the top end of this number which is it going to be? And, there, and here again, you know, as much as I would love to throw people under the bus, it, it kind of came back to the legislatures. It kind of came back to the Wyoming Department of Education. Hadn't ever had to figure out, you know, I don't know if any of you guys have ever been in education before or have seen education funding models. It's like the world's most complicated formula you've ever seen in your life. I'm sure we could put somebody in on the face of the moon easier than we can figure out how much ADM is for a charter school yeah, in one.
0: And I know what ADM is
1: the average daily membership. So that's each kid. Each kid you have is considered an ADM. And so, you know, we didn't know what that number was. But here's the thing that kept me awake. And just, you know, fast forward a little bit or maybe backtrack a little bit from the time we got authorized. I was ultimately forced to resign off of the board so that they could make me the CEO of the school, which was essentially the superintendent, you know, in the charter school world and a comparison, I was the superintendent in what would have been a regular school district. So I was the top dog. i w I'm the single employee of the board of our board of directors. So they, they forced me off the board. Off well, the board. I like to say they forced me <laughs> off the board. They forced me off the board. I wanted to quit anyway. And then they're like, Oh, by the way, you can't quit. We're going to make you the CEO. And so, and, we, and, and, and then that, you're going
0: we have to say, we all joke about quitting a lot. That's yeah. that, that's not, no, not that, literally no. quitting. No, we all, no. every single one of the board and all of us at some point, they get each other and go, can I quit? And we're like, nope. And we're like, okay. So that's just, that's an yeah. inside joke. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Yeah. So I found myself as the CEO, literally issuing teacher contracts. You know, we had, yeah. we had a proposed budget and I, I had kind of a rough idea, but I was issuing teacher contracts because we had to have teacher contracts out by like, what was it? May or June or something like that.
0: We had people moving here out of state to
1: teach. Yeah, we had people moving here. So again, I didn't have a building and I didn't know what my funding numbers were. Like I did not have those two pieces of the puzzle locked in. And I'm I'm issuing teacher contracts knowing that, you know, come August, we're going to have to pay these teachers. Come August, I'm going to need a building. Come August, we're going to have, you know, roughly 60-some kids show up. And I didn't have these pieces of the puzzle put into place. And we had a lot of people kind of corner us up and be like, how can you operate that way? How can you, you know, on one hand, it almost looks like you're running recklessly going, you're issuing teacher contracts. You don't know what your funding is. You don't even know that your budget works. You don't even know that you're going to have a building. How can you do that? Like, how can you do that? In fact, one of the charter schools in Wyoming didn't start the same year that we did because they didn't have some of those pieces of the place. They didn't have their teachers hired and they didn't have a building locked.
0: They were waiting for all the stars no. to not to dog on
1: them. No. And it wasn't I, their fault. I, I mean, it. they faced so much opposition of to the town that they were in. It wasn't even funny, but the reality is, is here again, sometimes in life you have to push forward. You have to go, I'm going to make this work. There's so many times we tell ourselves the stories of, I will wait until all the pieces line up and then I'll move. And in so many cases, and this one in particular, especially in just about everything that we've done in the past, like it just never works that way. You have to move and then God will respond. You have to move and then the universe will show up in a way that you weren't expecting. But until you move, nothing's going to happen. It's It's like this waiting game. It's like playing a game with chicken almost. It was, yeah. You're gonna take this risk. You're gonna jump out, and you're gonna move out in, in faith that this is going to happen. Because I mean, I can't express the, you know, it was like keeping me awake at night. I'd lay awake at two o'clock in the morning going, wait a minute, I've hired like nine teachers and I don't have a building.
0: We were all laying awake. That was we were so all laying scared. awake. There was for
1: sure. But at the same time, <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten a building if I hadn't hired those nine teachers. So let me paint this picture for you. When we were still having this standoff with the district, it's kind of this same thing. As the district is going, listen, if I don't give you the building, then guess what? You don't have a school. And the reality is, is most of those kids probably aren't going to show up in the church basement. Most of those parents would have been like, yeah, we really signed up for this big, grand vision of a project-based charter school. You're not going to be able to pull that off in the church basement. So we're not going to send our kid there. In fact, we'll just send them back to the district. So the district is going, if I don't give you this building, you don't start, and all those kids come back to me We're back to the district. We don't, we don't care whether you got letters of intent or not. If you don't have a building, they're going to have to come back to us. And so there was this game of who moves first yeah. where we simply, you know, I, I literally told our board, I'm like, we have to step out. We have to say, okay, we're going to hire these teachers. We're going to issue these teacher contracts because if I don't have teachers, it won't matter if they give me a building. And if I had to wait literally until August 1st to issue those teacher contracts, teachers are done hired by then. you know, their teachers start looking for jobs in May. They want to know where they're going to go. They want to have these contracts signed and in place so that they know where they're going to be when, when the school starts. So there was just so many pieces of this puzzle that we had to step out in faith and say, okay, we're going to act, we're going to move. We can't see how this is going to work out. But, you know, looking back on it now, you can obviously see how all those pieces yeah. of the puzzle fit together and how there was a higher power involved in making sure that this did happen. So it was...
0: So what's the difference? Because we though? And we've talked about this on our own, but I'd like to have the listeners consider this because there was about 98 times in this process where most people would have gone, this is not meant to be, God doesn't want it to happen, the universe doesn't want it to happen, whatever. What made us not cave into that self doubt of like oh it's too hard obviously do- like the the church phrases doors are closing god is closing doors this is not meant to be we didn't ever like we didn't go there so what was the difference because there have been points in my life when i get a sense that this is not for me it's not like i bulldo we don't we don't bulldoze everything in our life there has been plenty of instances where we're like ah this doesn't feel right anymore it's time to step away it's time to back out but we didn't with that why
1: you know for me i think a lot of times it comes back to are you willing to take action? So if we go back to the very beginning when we as a board had our first meeting with the, with the school district and said, hey, we would like you guys to authorize us. We would like to start a charter school here. And they ultimately told us no. You know, we could have said, okay, we took action. We stepped out in faith. We said, yep, okay, you know, we'd like to do this and the door closed. But I don't quit there. And so we went one step further. We said, okay, well that door is not open or that door is not cl- all open. It's, it's been closed, but there's this door that's open over here going and, the state. And route. it's
0: like, yeah, it's, I feel like most people just look at the one door in front of them and then it closes out. Like, yeah. Okay. But you have to literally tunnel up, climb right. over. You got to look around. You got to take out some bricks. Sometimes you got to bust a window up. Like there, you have to be like the amount of creativity that is involved, I think in
1: the but sometimes right it can here. feel like a dark place where you're in literally, you could be in this dark place with a flashlight and some people just freeze and they go run over to the corner and they hide and they turn their light off and they just, you know, they sit there and suck their thumb. Where I was like, no, okay, we're in this dark corner. We turn the flashlight on. We're starting to look around for other doors. Well, great. We're great. We found this door over here at the state route. So we, we went that way and then we got approved and then there was like 50 more doors after that, that we like, Oh, this door's closed, but here's the thing. And I think this goes back to what Joe was just asking. Why, why do you keep going? It's because when you have the opportunity to look back at your track record and you can see how all of these other doors, all of these other paths were provided, they may not have been our first choice. And oftentimes they weren't our first choice, but it's like, so what, how can I quit at that particular time? You know, like you say, sure, there are times in life where you're like, hey, this is just not for me. I think you get a gut feeling on that. I think your intuition knows, hey, this is probably not the path you need to be going down. But I think also a track record of, hey, I've tried every door in here. Maybe this isn't for me. But for us, you know, our intuition was we're here for a reason. We know we're doing this for a reason. I can just feel it in my bones. Not only that, I could always look back. I can never look forward. We don't have a crystal ball. You don't have a crystal ball. But I can always look back and see how all those dots, how all those paths had been connected. So that builds my faith up. That builds my trust up in this process of, okay, well, I'm obviously on the right path. If I've come this far, if I've gone over this many mountains, why would I quit now?
0: And I think a lot, I think the question I always would ask myself, because like there were dark times, like there were times when all of us, our friends, the board would look at each other like we cried a lot, like we, we were depressed a lot. Like we would get a little win and then we just get like punched in the face by the district again, over and over and over. Um, and I would always go back. Okay. So if I quit now, how would that feel? And every single time I never felt relief at the thought of quitting. I felt like total defeat, like I gave up too early. Now, again, there have been times in my life where I think of letting something go. and I just play with that idea and I feel immediate relief. So I'm like, that's different. Right. But this time I'm like, I knew what I believed to be true when we started the process. And I knew if we quit, when it got hard, we were letting what I saw as corruption and dishonesty win. Like the, I don't want to say bad guy, because that feels a little too, whatever. But I was, we were letting something win that shouldn't win. Like we were, and we also, the other part, where we had people in the community, like, I was like, we have to be the champion for these people. They want this. They need this. They're not able with their resources or whatever to be able to do this on their own. They need someone to champion them. So I'm like, we can't quit. Like, and we, we literally took the approach, especially in those last few months, failure was not an option. Like when you have this do or die, all the, the ships are burned and you only can go forward or you it's literally like do or die, you get real creative. And I remember at one point, I think it was in the summer, right before school opened, the building did not look like it was going to happen. And the building, I don't believe would have happened unless the superintendent's Christian glossed over it but they like magically switched out like it was the weirdest thing where this superintendent who was, who had been extremely challenging all of a sudden left and we got this new superintendent and we didn't know what he was going to be like and he has been a gem like an absolute joy to work with polar opposite of the previous one so oriented towards the kids and caring about the kids if that hadn't switched when it did which was out of our yeah. control
1: I don't think we would have had it. That there way. were so many of these pieces that were out of our control. And that's why yeah. I say, you've just got to be able to look back and go, Hey, this happened and this happened and this happened and this, all of these pieces just magically moved into place. You know, sure. We had to show up. We, we had, had to do our, the work. Like, cause yeah. that idea of it wasn't where, just, we yeah. bury our head in the sand and then all magically the school happens. No, we had to step out and do all of the work. But then it's like, you have to do your part. And then once you've done your part, now you can be like, Hey, Okay, now here's room for God to step in and and fix this or, you know, pave the pave the rest of the road for us or show us which direction we need to go. So I think that's what it really was, because there was I mean, we could probably make a list of 30 or 50 different things that were outside of our control, like even our funding, for example, when our funding, when our funding first got told to us, we thought it was going to be we thought we were barely going to make it work you know, with a high end of like fourteen or $15,000 at the end of the day, which was don't after
0: that, school Don't tell that part yet. Don't tell that part
1: Sorry, yet. guys. You got to wait. Wait. You gotta
0: work on your storytelling narrative.
1: I a well. bigger things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I remember there was a point, it was like, I don't know, early in the summer where it looked like the building wasn't going to happen. And we literally sat at Dana's house. And we had supper. And we all sat around the table. I'll never forget the feeling. And we were like, okay, guys, we don't have a building. So now what are we going to do? Because like, this will happen. Like failure is not an option. So we were like, we committed, like there's this other building in town. We were like, we're all going to buy it. We're going to use personal money. We're going to pool together, We're gonna scrape together and we're going to buy this old building and make it into a school. And like, that was our plan. Like we were committed. Like that was going to happen. We were on that track because we were like, not doing this is not an option. And so I think stepping out with that extreme intent yeah, that went a long way, and I yeah. didn't have to do that because the pieces fell into place. But if they hadn't fallen into place, we would we had a contingency plan,
1: right? And I think sometimes God likes to test us in that way and say, "How serious are you? How 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 motivated? How driven are you really to making this happen?" And I think for us, that was a pivotal point where we kind of sat down as a group and said, "Listen, if this doesn't happen, we will not quit here." we will step out in another direction in more faith and say, Hey, we'll use our personal money. We'll do whatever we need to do to buy this other building, remodel this other building in a matter, at that particular point it would have been weeks to make this thing ready for school. You know, and in, and in my mind it's like, I could, I could just see it. It's like, okay, God says, Hey, you guys are serious about making this happen and I can see the level of intensity that you're bringing to making sure this goes off and it a success because of that. Cool. Now it's like within the next couple of days, boom, this other school came. Yeah. You know, it school came.
0: Which was funny because it would have been such a slog. And then when it when it happened, it happened. And the, and the new superintendent was like, here, boy, I can fit the keys. Here, I'll walk you through. I'll give you a tour. He yeah, actually it, drove
1: the keys yeah, drove us. the
0: keys down to us. Like, it was insane. Yeah. And so now it was late July by the time we got in the building, right? Or when did we oh, have- It
1: was August 1st it was, when we got in the building. Yeah, we were up. starting
0: like August 23rd or something.
1: August 7th, our, still, our teachers got back.
0: So we had a week. Now, the building is awesome and huge and the other thing that was really cool is the superintendent like let us keep the desks and like a lot of the equipment so we initially we were like S- essentially S- fully furnished. it was a fully building. furnished school because we were told earlier that oh, if we if we did get the building they were going to strip it out so we were like okay where do you buy desks where do you buy pipe ports? like we we're going to have to completely furnish it we didn't have to do that so we walk into this building we had a week to get it ready clean it flip it, get the classroom was ready before the teachers showed up for teacher training. So we were like all hands on deck, rolling, rolling, still waiting. We still didn't know our funding numbers. So we're like, cool, we have a school building. Hopefully we can afford to pay for it. Yeah. And so when did the, the funding numbers came in?
1: The funding numbers didn't come in until the 15th of August. Yeah. So, oh, you know, our teachers had already showed up by that particular yep. time.
0: Yep. Because
1: moved into town. we yeah. had, you know, two weeks of professional development, essentially, before school started and for teachers to be able to set up their classrooms. A lot of times teachers have access to the school, you know, months before school starts. They can go to the school in the summertime and work on their classrooms. Obviously, that didn't work for us. So teachers were really had to be crunch time into doing our professional development. Some of these teachers had never taught in a project based environment before. So we had project based education. Uh, professional development and they had to set up their brand new classrooms these are a couple of them were had moved to the state to teach here and so i mean the amount of work that we had to do was tremendous so august 15th rolled around and they sent us a they sent us an email with a what our funding numbers were going to be and it even about four thousand dollars higher than we had expected
0: higher than the high end yeah like it was that was the most magical day of yeah. the whole process like we cried and it was surreal and it was like that was amazing
1: right Yeah, We had raised over a quarter million dollars just from the community, from community members and businesses who wanted to see this building, wanted to see this thing be successful. So so some of that, you know, when I go back to was, were we being reckless? Yeah, maybe we were being reckless, but I knew I could operate this school within the first year. When I had built my proposed budget, I knew I could operate the school within the first year. I knew I could pay for my teachers within the first year, but I knew worst-case scenario, it was going to take all of the funding we were going to get, plus it was going to take all of the startup money we had. And so at that particular time, I'm like, worst-case scenario, we we would only last a year if if our funding numbers didn't come in where they needed to be. But I knew – I could step out in faith and say, hey, regardless, I can pay my teachers for the first year. I can We can make this thing happen for the first year. It might kill us after that, and we'll be done. But I'll be able to honor the contracts and the commitments that we laid out there and hired everybody that we did, all of our staff. Yeah. But when our funding numbers came back at higher than we had expected, we said, okay, great. You know, this now allows the school to function off of the funding that we got from the state, which is what I really wanted to see. That, that then said, okay, now you can take your startup money, this quarter million dollars that we had raised, and then we ended up getting some grants to be able to use that for buying any additional classroom equipment or you know things that we needed to have for the school to get up and running and create kind of a little bit of a buffer. And so it just all the pieces worked out where literally days before that, you know, I'm going, I'm not, I don't know how this is going to work. You know, again, I was laying awake at night at two o'clock in the morning going, I don't know how this is going to work, but I had also structured it and I was also smart enough to say, well, I know I can, I know I can get through our first year. I know I can honor the commitments that we've made once we had our, once we had our building. So the cool thing about the way the state authorized, because this was a publicly owned, this is a school district owned building. Uh, One of the things that was in the charter school law was that the school district couldn't charge us for it. Because here again, we're a publicly funded entity, being a charter school, and the district is a publicly funded entity being a school district. So it wouldn't make sense for the government to say, okay, you're gonna you're gonna we're gonna give you money as a charter school, and then you're gonna turn around and give some of that money back to the district as in another publicly funded entity. And so they basically said, listen, you can't charge because this is a publicly funded taxpayer-owned building, you can't charge them rent. We did come up with an agreement because it was essentially a fully furnished building. That they we said, okay, we'll we'll rent the building for you to whatever it costs the district to maintain, and we agreed. Hey, we'll pay all the utilities, we'll pay all the trash and water and sewer, plus we'll pay for your insurance. We'll, we'll, we we want to make this to where it's fair for the district that says you're, the district is allowing us to use this facility, but they're not doing so you know, that hurts the district. We were covering all of our expenses in, in the process.
0: And I think that's important too, because that was another point of contention. I mean, man, the gossip mill flew with this. And I think we accidentally created some enemies I didn't want to create. Not because, I mean, I think we were trying to keep it friendly, but it's hard in small towns. Because we have our little town where the school is, and then there's a neighboring town that's larger. And just hearing some of the stuff people were saying about us, like they're like, they're trying to hurt the district. They're trying to take us down. They're trying to hurt our children in this other town. I'm like, whoa, 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 you guys, like, that is not our, not our intent. Like no, we didn't want to just we didn't want a handouts from the district. Like we had always gone to the district and said, How can we have a mutually beneficial relationship? We I mean the district has struggled financially. That's a well known fact. How can we help you with that? How can we become more self-sufficient down here in Chugwater? So, you know, we're not a drain on your resources. And they just repeatedly, under the old administration, was like, no, they're just like refusing to think outside the box. And so it was it was frustrating because I feel like until I was blue in the face, I said over and over publicly you know one-on-one in groups we're not trying to hurt you guys we're not trying to hurt your kids we're not trying to hurt any and of you we just need to create something different because this isn't working
1: right and some of it a lot of it comes down to the people just didn't know what a charter school was and they didn't yeah. know how. there was, was a lot of it and yeah there was a tremendous amount of once a rumor mill gets running man that thing takes off like gas and it just goes and so but that was never our intention we always had a really, I think more than pure attentions from the beginning, and saying, how do we help the district? How do we help Chugwater? How do we help the community here? How do we make sure that, you know, we have equitable education going on in both towns? But,
0: well, that was the key, equitable education, because that yeah. we uh, we were of the persuasion, us and the board, that was not happening yeah. in our community. And I was like, oh, well, that's all we want, guys. We just that's want all we be want. equitable.
1: We want, we want these kids down here in this small town to still have the same opportunities and still receive the same good education that anybody else has the opportunity. And again, I don't want to oversimplify it. Districts and budgets and school district money is very complicated and there is a lot that goes into it. And so, you know, to a certain degree, when we say that the district was struggling financially, I'm not necessarily, I'm not insinuating that the district was mismanaging their money. It's that when you don't have enough kids in the district and your overhead exceeds what your your income is. Then you're going to struggle financially, and that's where we were. You know, I think Chugwater at that particular time was bringing in about one. What they told us is they were bringing they were bringing in about eight hundred thousand dollars for the based off of the number of kids that were in that school. It was costing them one point two million dollars to operate it as a K twelve school. That's a very challenging thing to overcome. And the main reason that that expense was the way it was was because of the number of kids that went there. So we're looking at it the same thing. We're going how do we build a successful charter school? How do we create a uh, economically viable place in Chugwater as a community where people want to come to the community? Because regardless of whether you got good education there, if people don't want to live in town or move to your community, they're not going to want to put their kids in school. So you've got to have an economically sound town and you got to have an economically sound school. So there's so many pieces of this puzzle that go together. It's just, it's complicated. It's very it complicated. So complicated, and maybe some of it was us being naive in the beginning, going, "Oh yeah, we'll just go start a church, go be easy," you know, and not knowing here's some of the big, yeah. here's some of the bigger pictures, or some of the things that I'm looking at now, long term, going great. You know, we've just made it through our first semester within the school, and it was a massive success. Our teachers and our staff and our administration are are, are the best that we could possibly ask for, but. I'm looking five years down the road going, if this school is going to be what we want it to be, what we said we were going to create in our initial application in this big vision, it's going to take more kids. And how do we get more kids in that school? Well, the school's got to grow and it's got to be great, but we've also got to make the town attractive. And how do we make the town attractive to get more people to want to come here? So it's just there's so many moving parts and so many pieces to this that it's just Was way more than we thought we were going to sign
0: I'm kind of glad, we've all said this, the board included, we're glad we didn't know how hard it was going to be, because if we did, we probably wouldn't have done it, and I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we did it. It was the hardest thing we've ever done. Yeah. Hands down, but like- And it's not over. It's not over, (laughs) but we learned a lot. I mean, every project I look at is like, how is it going to grow me as a person? Like, I'm not interested in it if it's just the same old, same old. Like, I want to see how it's going to grow us and stretch us. And like, who would have thought five years ago we'd know this much about us? funding schools and budgets and, and all the operation and but so, the
1: amount of growth that we have yeah. done personally and professionally and from a business standpoint and all of the things that we have learned with this i mean there are things that i will carry forward with me for the rest of my life that you know my my long-term vision is still not to be the ceo of a charter school because for the next going, 20 years
0: like and this is another question people have been like because we're entrepreneurs we speak pretty boldly about entrepreneurship he is working at the school five days a week in their office that is not like our Normal lifestyle—that's not our long-term lifestyle, but uh that's—you have to have that massive focus on these projects for a while. So we have plans to where we're never going to pull out of the school. Like we're, it's—we're very much involved and we'll stay involved. But like where he's not at the office five days a week—that is not a long-term goal. But yeah. for right now, that's what's happening, and it's a season.
1: So it's a—it's a startup. That's really what it is. It's a—it's—it's a, it's like starting a brand new business. And so, you know, we're in that phase of it right now of how do we make sure this thing stays successful and continues to grow. And those are the things that I'm focusing on. But ultimately, you know, that's not where I'm going to be at for the rest of my life. But when I look at it and go, sometimes I look at this and go, why am I doing this? How do I find myself here? Where am I? What's the point behind all this? What's the bigger picture here? What piece of the process am I struggling to trust because I'm right here where I am? But the amount of growth and the amount of things that I've learned over the last year and a half, two years is just... It's exponential. And so again, it's just another one of those things that I can look back and go, okay, I can see how this is connecting the dots. So when I look forward five years and then, or in 10 years and I look back at that point, it's going to be the same thing. Oh yeah. Well, we remember when we started this charter school, we did this, we learned that I'll do this. You know, it's, it's the same thing. So you yourself, if you find yourself going through something, and you're like, man, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. You know, I want to quit. I want to back out of this because I think there's times we've all asked ourselves that question of how do we get out of this? Man, we need to create an exit strategy here. We need to do something. This is this is not what we envisioned, But we we know we can't do that. It's just we're going to plow forward. It's you know, you just got to find that you got to, you got to dig a little bit deeper and go, OK, what's the bigger picture here? If I if I'm down in the weeds right now and I'm looking at it, you know, from ground level and I can't see five feet in front of me, sometimes you gotta zoom out to that ten thousand foot level or the thirty thousand foot level and go, okay, in the big picture is things, where am I at? And what is this process? And realize that you're still moving forward.
0: Yeah. And I think I don't know, like life is short. And what is life if we're not investing in challenges for ourselves? Like what are they I mean? I feel like our culture and you guys hear me say this on that show all the time like we're so obsessed with convenience and ease and like okay cool you get to watch let's say you get to watch Netflix in a perfectly climate controlled room for the rest of your life is that what you really want like no you're gonna be miserable so like create some meaningful challenge in your life maybe it won't be starting a charter school but like people would be like what are you doing this come on this is gonna make your life harder and we're like yeah, but what else, I mean, what else are we going to
1: do? Yeah, but who like, says that you're supposed to have an easy life? And who I says guess? hard is bad? I mean, people say that to us all the time or say that to me all the time. Well, you know, why are you doing that? Is this is hard. Well, so what? Yeah. Like, who says it's supposed to be easy? Like, at what point did we wake up in life and go, here's your easy button? You just get to hit it every day for the rest of your life. That's not the life I want. I, I mean, literally, I... I, I want my every day to be filled with challenges. That's when I'm my happiest when I'm buried. And how am I going to get through this? Because that's where you're experiencing growth. You're not going to experience growth. If your life is just, you're just going through life, hitting the easy button every day.
0: And that I'll never forget the day the school opened. It was, we, we had just got our funding numbers. We had, were just in the new building. We had everyone show up the, the little community, the, the elderly folks of the community came and a bunch of others and lines. it was their idea, they coordinated, they lined the walkway into the school building and cheered for the kids coming in. And it was the most surreal moment. And like all the dopamine, all the oxytocin, all the happy chemicals. And I'm like, we, it was just like mountaintop and you don't get to have those mountaintops unless you've been through some valleys. Like you don't get that feeling from watching a Netflix movie. Like, you don't get that good stuff unless you've gone through the challenges. And I'm like, it was in that moment, like, the challenges aren't over, but we all look at each other and we were all crying. And I'm like, that was worth it. That was the hardest thing. That was insane. That was dark. But that was worth it. And I'm like, that's what life is, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So
0: So what's next for the charter school? We still have some stuff to figure out.
1: Transportation is another big one. And this is just because partially that it's never been done. So, you know, we're, even though we're a charter school, we're kind of being treated and thought of as like a brand new district. We're not a new district. We were operating within a district, so they're not reestablishing district lines, but the state's never had to create a brand new fleet for a brand new school in a district like this in probably 50 years. And so they're they're kind of sitting back, scratching their heads, going, "Yeah, we'll do this, and we'll figure this out, and we'll help you along the way," but we don't really know what that looks like. We haven't we haven't had to do this, and so it's just taken a lot of, you know, things move so slow. I mean, you, everybody hears this. You know, you go work in the government, or you yeah. don't do anything with the government, like everything takes so slow. And like we've experienced this so much firsthand, it's like this shouldn't be, especially coming from the business sector. Yeah where you're not tied to the government like you can pivot and move like we do. in fractions of a second like you can make things happen so fast and a lot of times when you do that it makes you more successful it's your willingness to pivot so fast and to take action that sets you above everybody else and yet here when you've got this you know kind of ball and chain on you you can't pivot and you can't, it takes so slow. And so that's probably been the, one of the most that frustrating was, things that I've had to learn. How do I deal with this? How do I, because nothing moves at the speed that I want it to move at. But transportation right now is our number one thing. Uh, you know, and that's just kind of another plug for this school. As you look at this school in a rural community like this, where we've got, I think, 58, 59 kids in the school right now, over three quarters of those kids don't live within the city limits of the town. And yet every one of those families is bringing their kids to the school because we don't have buses. That's how much this community was behind the school yeah. from the beginning and saying, cool, we'll, we'll work with you. We'll, you know, we want you to get the transportation figured out, but in the meantime, we'll bring our kids to the tent, bring our kids to the school. So we've got to get the transportation piece figured out. And hopefully we'll have that up and running within this next semester and having fully operational, uh, by the beginning of next school year.
0: I think the other big thing is like we're project-based, which means we want kids. I mean, I've had so many childhood education experts here on the show and we've talked about um, how the traditional learning environment doesn't always foster learning and it can kill curiosity. And so our, the goal with this school is to break out of that paradigm and get kids doing real world things, trades, working with their hands, but you know, still focusing on academics. We're still an academic school. Um, but I think we want to continue. We just had a meeting with um, some of the board members the other day, like how can we get so out of the box with this? How can we get so creative? Like right now we did some cool stuff this last semester, but we also were just trying to like keep our head above water. Cause I don't know we're starting a school and operating it for the first semester. Um, but like, okay, how can we create these um, different projects and really tap into what each kid, what, what lights them up. Um, so we have a lot of ideas. We're still implementing a lot of that and excited to see where that goes and how um, creative we can be with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So not being afraid to ask questions and, you know, look at how things are being done or how things have been done in the past and go, why are we doing it this way? What if we changed? What if we flipped this entire model on its head and we completely revamped, you know, how things are being done and how things are being taught and how classrooms are set up and how, you know, how you're spending your time and where you're getting your deep work done and where you're getting your deep focus done. And, you know, it's just it's. It's those kinds of thinkings that's going to allow us to move into the future and be even more successful than we are now.
0: And wow, like when you want to hit up against some resistance and people saying, we do this because it's always been done this way, go to the world of education. Go to the education. Like that triggers me more than anything. If you want to see me get red hot angry, just tell me I have to do something because it's how we've always done it. So like it's really hard and I I know there's some awesome teachers out there. I'm not dogging on y'all. Like there's a whole bunch of out of the box teachers, but I know the system prevents a lot of that um go back and listen to the episode with matt Bodro. he had an an amazing um he spoke to that in an amazing way but like the system is very much set in stone and so getting just our brains and getting everyone's brain to just be willing to think outside of that is challenging but i think there's a lot of awesome things on the other side of that
1: yeah yep
0: so So that was the story of the charter school uh people (laughs) keep asking us what's next i don't know i think we're going to try to just Keep doing the charter school for a while and not start another big giant crazy project. Yeah, what you think this is this we is, need to breathe a little bit after. I mean, this
1: has been quite the mountain and we've had a lot of peaks in yeah. that we've experienced a lot of highs and a lot of lows, but in the grand scheme of things, we're six months into you know, the first year of a five year contract that we have with yeah. the state. And so, you know, I think the big uh, the big statistic that's out there is most charter schools fail within the first two to three years. And so, you know, obviously we're trying to do everything that we can that makes sure our charter school is successful beyond that. And, you know, if we're successful through that five-year point that I'm, I'm, I'm 100% confident that we'll get another five-year contract. And so it's just, you know, how do we lay the foundation? We're, that's really where we're at right now is we're still laying the foundation brick by brick of what this charter school is going to be and how it's going to be long-term and, and set that vision. And so that's really... Yeah. that That is it. That is the project. You know, yeah. starting the charter school is grand and big and fun. And now it's, well, great. You have a charter school. How are you going to ensure its long-term success? Yeah. That in and of itself is a whole other piece.
0: A whole other piece. And so I get, I've had a ton of people message me since I started hinting at this process online. And so now maybe you can see why I didn't know how to talk about it more publicly on my platforms because sometimes... I would be wa- excited and wanting to share. And then like literally 24 hours later, we'd get bad news from the district and I'd be in the depths. And so I'm like, I-, I didn't know how to share it online. Also, I had to be really careful what I said publicly because we didn't want to make enemies because we already had enough of those <laughs> as a stood. But when people were messaging me and going, cool, I don't like my school district. How do I start a charter school? Like, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I still don't know how to start a charter school. I have no idea. Um, I think anyone listening to this who's feeling like you have a need in your community for this, I'm not going to discourage you from doing it, listen to your gut, but know that it is extremely complicated and your story and your path will probably be very different from ours because it's so unique to your state, your district, your community, like there's just a lot of different loopholes and right. r- rules and all the education convoluted stuff, so... um I don't feel like we're going to be a lot of help to folks at this ju- juncture of how- helping them start. Something.
1: Well, I think the biggest thing that we can give you is, you know, you've got to have that determination. You've got to have that fire within you and that drive within you that just says, this is what we're going to do. And this is what we are called to do. And we're going to make it happen no matter what. And that is kind of the challenge here is that uh, at least in Wyoming, there are several states where charter school, there is a very clear road map to building charter schools in, you know, they think it's easier other places. Yeah. yeah. Colorado is a yeah. great place. For an example, yeah. you know, there's a lot of charter schools that are very successful down there. Uh, and a lot of organizations that are, yeah. they've kind of got all the pieces of the puzzle figured out on, okay, if you want to charter charter school, then here's how you do it. You know, our biggest challenge in Wyoming was that at least from a state authorized route, it has never been done. And so we're still, we're still plowing that yeah. path forward. And right now they, they've, the legislation has capped. There's only three charter schools that are allowed from a state standpoint until I think 2028 and then they, they start kind of sprinkling more out there again uh, for people to apply and to build more charter schools. And realistically by 2028, I mean, this will be a well-worn path. We'll have, we'll, we'll know the WDE, will know the state, yeah. hopefully by then they'll, they'll got their legislation and all the, the laws figured out and everybody will be happy with where they are. They're not doctoring them up every single year. So you know, you just, if this is something you want to do, and even if it's not a charter school, if you, if there, if you're up against some other big project in your life, it's the same thing. its I would encourage anybody with the same piece of advice of, man, you just got to double down and you just got to go.
0: Yeah. And, and don't just... expect to see the steps, expect to maybe see half the step you're standing on right now. Yeah. Do not wait to see, like we so many times leapt off this step into the next step. We didn't know where it was. We just landed somehow. But like you cannot, I see so many people in business and homesteading and all sorts of things are waiting to have every little step mapped out. You know, especially now it's January, beginning of the year, people are planning out all these goals. And I used to plan out like 12 months, 24 months at a time. And now I'm like, I still cast some vision, but I'm like, I don't know how life goes now. Yeah. I know where I'm at now and I know where I intend to go, but I expect the path to be very different. So don't get hung up on having the steps ahead of you. Sometimes if you know in your gut, you're supposed to do it. You just got to leap.
1: And sometimes in life you can hire a coach. That's the whole point of a coach is the coach can see the steps that you can't see. They've been down that path. They know what this looks like, you know, and we had hired some consultants. We worked with several consultants when we were starting this process, especially during the application process, but they didn't know Wyoming. They knew Colorado. They knew other States. They didn't know Wyoming because we hadn't been done in Wyoming before. So it's the same thing. You know, if you can, uh, hire somebody in your world to help you move the needle forward faster then I would recommend doing that because it's always going to pay off in the long run but that doesn't mean that if that if that roadmap isn't built yet well then you could be a pioneer you get to build it. yeah you get to do it and then you know we've said the same thing on our board we're like the reality is the truth of the matter is is in five years we will be those coaches. We will be the ones that are turning around and saying, now we know how this is done. We built this road and now we can be your consultant if you want to build a charter school in Wyoming, maybe other states, but we'll know how this process works and we'll be intimate with this process. So, you know, when we have that knowledge, then absolutely we would be like-
0: We'll okay, make a course.
1: We'll make a course, yeah. We'll <laughs> be we'll, a million we'll, <laughs> we'll be Here's how you're going to do this and here's what it's going to look like. But right now we're still out there with yeah. picks and axes to build the war. <laughs> we
0: have no ice. So, yeah. Anyway. Cool. Anything else? I think that's it. That good. So hopefully, I mean, I don't expect this to be, this will not become a charter school podcast, but I hope this episode was interesting and also just gave you some food for thought on your own challenges and struggles in life. And I hope that 2024 20, is a year of interesting challenges for you. I hope it actually isn't completely smooth sailing. I hope you have an opportunity to get, Tested and find your resilience, and get some of those mountaintop moments. So, um anyway, if you have questions about the charter school, I, I can answer some. I'm not great at answering all of them. So, I mean, if you want to tag me on Instagram with any thoughts or whatever, that's fine. But yeah. I'm also not a walking charter or school go, Or come find him; he knows way more than I do about it. I just have been the cheerleader mostly on the sidelines and feed people food when they were in our office till 1 a.m. He did a great job with that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. All right, guys, that is a long episode for today, but I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you next time on the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.